0: Hello, I'm Mark Rees and welcome to this special Christmas edition of my Curious Ghosts and Folklore podcast where on each episode I investigate a different, weird and wonderful subject. And on this episode we are going to be exploring the tale of a magical Christmas tree. Yes, the folklore surrounding a real-life magical Christmas tree in Wales. What could be more appropriate for this time of year? What could be more appropriate for the festive season than a magical Christmas tree? But of course, Christmas is also a time for ghosts. So don't worry, this isn't going to be entirely... Heartwarming and nice and fluffy, I will sneak in a few of the little gothic extras you've come to expect. Now, this is my penultimate episode before the big day next week, before December the 25th. I do have a very, very special episode coming up next week for Christmas Eve. Even Christmas can't stop my weekly schedule. There will be a special festive episode next week, but I'll be doing something slightly different with that episode, something slightly special. So you'll have to to tune in next week to find out what that's all about. But this episode really is the last proper episode, I guess you could say, before Santa pops down our chimneys. So I thought, well, let's do an episode that spreads a bit of goodwill, that spreads a bit of cheer the world is bleak enough at times as it is let's have a nice happy positive episode ahead of all the stress and bother of giving presents and cooking dinner and everything else that comes with next week and this story of a magical christmas tree i first wrote about in my book the a to z of curious whales but i sourced it from a much earlier source we are going back to 1831 to a book called cambrian superstitions which the cover tells us comprises of ghosts omens witchcrafts traditions etc as i said this is a happy positive one so we're not going to dwell on the ghosts and the omens and the witchcraft well not yet anyway But I guess you could call this tale something of a tradition, an annual tradition, an annual Christmas tradition. Because people from miles away would all flock to see this tree on Christmas Eve. Because it was said this tree would burst into life, burst into flowers. Flowers would appear all over this tree on Christmas Eve and they would be gone by the break of dawn the next day on Christmas Day, it was almost as if this tree was welcoming Jesus Christ, the Lord and Saviour who was born on this day and the reason we celebrate Christmas, the man who lends his name to Christmas. This tree was celebrating the arrival of Christ. And this tree, this magical Christmas tree could be found in the grounds of Aberglasny House in Llan Gathen in Carmarthenshire. Aberglasny is a wonderful, wonderful little spot in the west of Wales, and that house, Aberglasny House, sits in the middle of Aberglasny Gardens. Now, the house itself is a grade two listed mansion house and it dates from medieval times this garden surrounding it it's well it's more than just a garden it's 10 acres of gardens walled off gardens and it is in these gardens that this mythical tree this mythical hawthorn was said to have blossomed now very quickly talking about Aberglasney as mentioned i do think it's a a, a wonderful place and while I've been there many a time. I have sadly never seen this magical tree. However, I did on one occasion drive through a river on the way there or maybe it was more of a of a lake or a big puddle but certainly a big patch of water I did not want to be driving through. So if you are unfamiliar with the area and you're set in your sat-nav, be careful it doesn't take you through the water like it did with me on my first visit and also my most memorable night in Aberglasney was watching an outdoor theatrical production of dracula bram stoker's vampire dracula there and i can't think of a better place to stage something like dracula it was in the summer luckily even in wales it was not raining and as the sun was setting on those Carmarthenshire hills dracula rose from his coffin and it's it's an image imprinted in my brain but dracula is, is veering off into the gothic-y stuff. So back to this tree. And it was said to be in the early 19th century, in the early 1800s, that these visitors would flock to the gardens to see this Christmas time curiosity in action. So round about the time this book, Cambrian Superstitions, was published, this was, or could well have been, a contemporary account but it was in the early 1800s and while the idea of a magical christmas tree might sound wonderful to us nowadays and to all of those people who flocked to see it there was somebody who was not so appreciative of it somebody who was more of a scrooge although technically scrooge didn't Exist at this point. I believe it was the 1840s when Charles Dickens published A Christmas Carol. This was published in the 1830s. But nevertheless, there was a Scrooge who did not like all of the festive joy this tree brought to people, and in particular, he hated the fact that they came to his property to see it. And there's a little bit of ambiguity as to who exactly the owner was at this point, but It is assumed to be a Thomas Phillips, Thomas Phillips, who was a distinguished surgeon, a benefactor of Welsh education and a very prominent member of society. Well, I mean, you'd you'd have to be to be living in somewhere like Aberglasny. You'd have to have uh, a pound or two in the bank. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Now, Thomas Phillips, an illustrious, successful, very clever man, yet He became frustrated with this constant stream of callers who came to his house every Christmas, not to see him, not to bring him presents, or to sing him carols, or to wish him all the best for the coming year. I mean, maybe, maybe they did that as well, but really, these people were there to see his tree. So he decided to put an end to it, and he picked up his axe. I'm sure you can all see where this is going, but he picked up his axe he took it to that tree and he chopped down that magical hawthorn and that was the end of that or so he thought this man tried to kill the magic of christmas and some believe he failed because that magic remains to this day and i will tell you all about that shortly but first i'd like to look at one of the quite outlandish theories as to what exactly this tree was supposed to be. Where did this magical tree come from and how did it end up outside a grade 2 mansion in West Wales? Well, one suggestion is that it was or is the Glastonbury Thorn. Now, the Glastonbury Thorn, also known as the Holy Thorn, is this legendary tree which was brought to Britain, imported into Britain by a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, this would tie in with the fact that this did seem to be a religious or a a Christian tree. And that was Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea, by all accounts brought with him this legendary tree and he is said to have taken it and i I am condensing this story because this is a, a podcast about a magical welsh christmas tree not the disciples of jesus christ in glastonbury nevertheless he took it to the site of the holy grail which was believed to be in glastonbury and when there he drove his wooden staff into the hill and from that a tree sprang forth. The original thorn tree was there in Glastonbury and many centuries later, it would be venerated in the gardens of Wales. Now, maybe that's true, maybe that's not, that it's not for me to say. But what I can say is that the hawthorn does pop up in Welsh folklore. And in one book in Welsh folklore published in 1887, so about half a century after Cambrian superstitions, it is noted that should the cuckoo make its appearance before the leaves appear on the hawthorn bush, it is a sign of a dry, barren year. So you did not want to see the cuckoo landing on your hawthorn. And to make sure people remember this, it was summed up in a rhyme. Now, the rhyme is written in the Welsh language originally, and I'll tell you the Welsh version first, then we'll pop back and look at the translation and that rhyme is agog So that was the original in God's language and the translation goes like this. If the cuckoo sings on the hawthorn bear, sell thy horse or thy pack prepare. Which, I'll I'll be honest, doesn't make much sense in either language right now. But as long as you bear in mind that you do not want to see that cuckoo landing on it too early, all is well. Now, back to Aberglasny House, or more specifically, back to Aberglasny Gardens. And we've spoken a lot about the folklore there surrounding this magical Christmas tree. But there is another part to this podcast's title, and that is Ghosts. And let us have a quick look at some of the ghosts which are said to be wandering in the gardens and could well have been there at the time this magical tree was sprouting. Because let us not forget, ghosts love Christmas just as much as the living do. Now, there are a heck of a lot of ghost stories connected to Abba And just to quote the great Peter Underwood quickly. For those of you who don't know, I reference Peter Underwood quite regularly because I, I consider him to be one of the, the the leading figures in cataloging local ghost stories, I guess, on his his travels about the land. And in his Haunted Wales, he writes of Aberglasny that with Aberglasny House silently brooding, full of ghosts and slowly dying. In the shadow of Grongar Hill. Now, to be fair to Glasny, this was written in 1978. So Underwood wrote those words before it was restored to its the, the majestic scene that it is today. When he went there, it was certainly, or from his description, it was certainly much creepier. And just to reiterate, he said it was full of Ghosts. So not just one, not just two. This place was full of ghosts. And that is probably why I know uh, most haunted have been then. That's why these television shows probably pick on Aberglasny. It does have this reputation for being full of ghosts. But we are not looking at the house right now. Let us stay outside with the tree. I will dedicate an entire episode to Aberglasny in, in the new year. And I will look at all of those varied stories connected to it because there does seem to be almost a, a story connected to each owner or each era that the house went through. But outside, outside, one of the creepiest ones for me is the tale of the six young girls whose ghosts walk the grounds, and for this I'd like to quote from Peter Underwood again. And he himself got this information from Lynn Hughes, a local publisher and playwright, who had researched the history and more importantly the ghosts and the legends of the place. And she told him that the girls were maids at the big house at aberglasney House, who had decorated their bedroom as a surprise for their master and mistress, and sleeping with the doors and windows shut tight they suffocated from the fumes of lead paint in the blue room now their ghosts walk the grounds now again this was published in 1978 but assuming they haven't been moved on these six girls could still be walking the gardens today and this does tie in with an other local legend and that is corpse candles have been seen floating in the air now corpse candles and this is a very brief summary but corpse candles are seen as omens of a death people usually see them before a death, and they can glean some information from them depending on things like their colour, their shape, their speed, and how many of them there are. So, for for example, two of them might signify two deaths, and two small lights might signify the deaths of younger people. Now, it has been said that six of these lights were seen travelling down the corridor inside Aberglasny House, towards the maid's bedroom on that fateful night and so while the girls themselves are said to be haunting the grounds inside the house these lights alerted people to the tragedy that was about to unfold now another ghost said to be walking the grounds is that of thomas phillips which if you've been listening carefully, you will know, is the man who took an axe to that tree. So maybe he is still out there in ghostly form, hopefully not, not waving that axe. But if any modern day sightseers want to go and look for that tree, maybe you should just bear that in mind. And let us hope it is the Christmas tree you find and not an axe-waving ghost or those unfortunate young maids. Or even more of the corpse candles. Hopefully you avoid all of that. But talking about this Christmas tree, as mentioned, it might very well still be there in some shape or form. Let me explain. There are those who simply believe it is there amongst all this incredible gardens and trees and flowers and plants and leaves and all these great things inside aberglasny gardens you could probably spend all day walking around admiring the views and not see everything so it could well be just tucked away behind a bush somewhere and we haven't seen it maybe maybe the gardeners could help us with that one but there is another story And this goes back to just after Thomas Phillips hacked down that tree with his axe. Assuming in 12 months time those visitors would not return to bother him and to see that tree. Well that tree might have been destroyed. But it is said the magic continued. Because as if in solidarity the grass which grew where the tree once stood kept the tradition alive now just to remind you quickly that tradition was on christmas eve every year that tree would burst into flower in commemoration of the arrival of jesus christ and by the next day they would disappear once more after the tree was chopped down it is said the grass which grew where the tree once stood would appear green and healthy on christmas eve that would be the green green grass of home it would be healthy and shiny and great but by the time dawn broke on christmas day it would shrivel and die so you would have to be there on christmas eve to catch this phenomena in action and to make it even more difficult nobody knows where this patch of grass is so you might need return visits just to make sure you catch it and to make it even harder again i i don't even know if aberglasney gardens is open on christmas eve um but anyway it's a long shot but you might be able to catch this grass nowadays in solidarity with that tree that was mercilessly hacked down glowing green for christmas now As regular listeners will know, I'm I'm not a big fan of name dropping companies and things on this podcast. I don't I'm not here to give free adverts and things to people. But in the case of Aberglasney Gardens, I think this is an exception. I've spoken about Aberglasney a lot on this episode. I will be speaking about it a lot on a future episode as well. When I look at the ghosts, and I would like to say that Aberglasney is run as a charity. It was restored, lovingly restored by a restoration team, a restoration trust. So this is not some commercial enterprise. This is a charity working hard to keep this thing going for generations to come. And as as we saw with Peter Underwood's quotes, it was only back in the late. 70s when it was a total ruin when he arrived there I mean just just to to quote from that again he said that its masonry was in a very dangerous condition i pushed open the rusted iron gates and made my way through the tangle of grass and weeds and there was unlucky apaglazni house so in his words this really was the the, the stereotypical gothic old mansion and it sounded like a bit of a death trap now it is the opposite now it is more like a palace and so i just like to give a quick shout out to aberglasney if anyone is in that part of the world i can highly recommend popping in showing them some support and maybe having a look for that patch of grass which sprouts up at christmas time Or maybe you are already familiar with Aberglasny as it is, in which case, if you have any tales to share maybe you've seen this tree maybe you've seen these corpse candles it's always great to hear from people i'm easy to track down just do a search for mark race and put the word ghosts in or whales or folklore you will find my website you will find me on social media and we can have a chat a bit more about all of this and as always if you have enjoyed this episode Please consider hitting the subscribe button because you will never miss an episode ever. You will you will definitely not miss the next Abaglasny episode, and you can think of it as a as a Christmas present to me in a way. You can make me happy by subscribing, so I know people are listening and enjoying. And on that note, it just leaves me to say that next week will be my final episode before. Christmas. Now, really, people on Christmas Eve should be out and about enjoying themselves, sp- spending some quality time with their families, not, you know, wrapping presents and things rather than listening to me waffle on. But if for some mad reason you do want to listen to this podcast next week, I will be uploading one at the crack of dawn on Christmas Eve. As soon as you wake up on Christmas Eve, There will be a Christmas episode from me. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get better presents than that of other people. Otherwise, you could have quite a bleak Christmas. But let us not dwell on that. This is a positive episode, an uplifted episode. And I would just like to say a huge Merry Christmas to everyone. And to wrap things up, I would like to turn to a Welsh man of words who featured on this podcast many, many months ago, and that is Dylan Thomas. And if you'd like to listen to the Dylan Thomas episode all about Dylan's ghosts, that is episode number eight, But one of my favourite works by Dylan Thomas is A Child's Christmas in Wales. It's a tradition every year, a bit like Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol or Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker. It gets dug out and given a dusting off. And one line from A Child's Christmas sticks out in my mind and does relate to trees and grass. So it's quite appropriate is when dylan is recalling his old childhood presents at christmas and he is given a coloring book a coloring book he is free to do whatever he wants with he could make the grass and the trees and everything else any color he wanted and there were dazzling sky blue sheep grazing in the red field under the rainbow build and pea green birds And I thought he also had a lovely way of describing the snow-covered landscape of Wales when you wake up on Christmas and find the entire place is blanketed in white. Now, of course, that never happens in reality, something Dylan acknowledged himself. But nevertheless, this is make-believe. It's my podcast, and I would like to end with Dylan Thomas's vision of that ghostly white snow which engulfed the land. And he said, Our snow was not only shaken from whitewashed buckets down the sky. It came shawling out of the ground and swam and drifted out of the arms and hands and bodies of the trees. Snow grew overnight on the roofs of the houses like a pure and grandfather moss minutely ivied the walls and settled on the postman opening the gate like a dumb numb thunderstorm of white torn Christmas cards and if that doesn't make you want to heat up the mulled wine to crack open the mince pies and maybe take a trip to Cumdonkin Drive in Swansea to look out at the scene as surveyed by a young Dylan Thomas well nothing will until next time NO